Which might as well be Darth Vader, right? Like, we're, we're, we're screwing Darth Vader, right? Like, nobody cares if Darth Vader gets screwed, <laughs> right, right? right? And what, <laughs> yeah. we're tr- what we're trying to say is like, no, 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 you're screwing me, a human being who has to ultimately pay for this. This is the Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast, a show where average Joe firefighters explore the most important monetary technology of the 21st century. We talk Bitcoin, we talk finance, and we talk shit. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in. Glad you're here for another week on Blue Collar Bitcoin. This time around, Josh and myself, Dan, got the pleasure of spending an hour with Andy Schoonover. After attending Stanford Business School, Andy has built an impressive entrepreneurial and business resume. Since 2021, he's been the founder and CEO of CrowdHealth, a company looking to completely redefine the meaning of healthcare in today's society. Andy also hosts a great show called the Sovereign Health Podcast, and he's a dead serious Bitcoiner. He recorded this episode from the Bitcoin Commons in Austin, Texas, for Pete's sake. You'll be able to tell right away Andy was practically born with a microphone in front of his face, and this chat was substantive. We cover the importance of creating a work-life balance, why the medical-industrial complex is so opaque and so expensive, and what crowd health is doing to fix it, metabolic health, butt-naked ice baths, and much more. We think that you'll agree after listening to Andy that what crowd health is pioneering is truly badass. If you have healthcare needs and you want to cut your costs and support human beings rather than large insurance companies, crowd health is more than worth a peek. You can come and go as you please, month to month, no stupid commitments, no confusing bullshit. And if you so choose, you can use code BLUE for a significant discount on your first six months. Lastly, as price starts heading north, I'm going to take time to remind all of you folks to self-custody your freaking Bitcoin. If you don't hold the private keys, you hold a Bitcoin IOU, not the real thing. Someone else is your Bitcoin dom. Assuming you're not a sub, take custody yourself, folks, or at the very least, start learning how this process works. Our go-to solution for storing our Bitcoin private keys is the cold card. It's extremely secure, easy to use, and Bitcoin only. We've used these bad boys for years. They simply work. You can use code BCB, that's BCB, for a delectable discount on cold card, and click the CoinKite link down in our notes to see discounts on a variety of other CoinKite products, including the Block Locks. Josh, Andy, Schoonover. Daniel. Is here. Uh, in usual fashion, we just got a lot of good stuff out of the way before we click record, but we'll have to leave that up to the audience's imagination, right, Andy? We got some saucy stuff on the Sovereign Health podcast just before we click record that we can't disseminate to the world, unfortunately, <laughs> now. We are. It's locked uh. in. We're going to have to tread lightly in this one too, Andy, because we're going to be talking, I'm sure, quite a bit about being paramedics, about our day job. We actually had an incident in our last episode where (laughs) this happened a couple of times on the show where we get a little too specific and we're like, wait, could that really fuck us down the road if a chief listened to that? (laughs) We've got to basically go, um, this happened to someone we know at a neighboring department years ago. Whatever story that we're about to just throw out there didn't happen with us. It happened with somebody else far, far away. Yeah. <laughs> 20 years ago, we knew a guy that worked somewhere else that once had a patient where this went down. Friend of a friend. Exactly. Yeah. Well, good, good to hang out with you guys. It's been about, what, about a year since we last hung out. So appreciate y'all having me been, on. Yeah. And I think about exactly. Now is the time. You know, everybody's thinking about healthcare for next year. So I appreciate y'all having me on this time of year. As always, last, last year was, was super fun. So I'm sure we will not disappoint this time around. No, we won't. Yeah, we just finished open enrollment at the department. It's like herding cattle too. Like the chief, you know, they send out the initial email from HR. You get half of the firemen that do it. Another week goes by. Yep. You've got stragglers. You got to kind of get the shepherd's crook around their neck, pull them in the pen. It's like when you do uh, sexual harassment training. You know, nobody wants to do it. Like, who wants to sit there and they want to click through? Like, don't touch anyone on the penis. Don't look at anyone's ass. Obviously, like. Yes. Yes, I know. I'll take the the bullshit quiz. I'll get 75% on it and I'll move on with my day. You guys went that direction. I was thinking more like doing taxes every year. Like it's one of those things like you hate doing, you know, we're actually going to put up a post either today or tomorrow on Twitter around like do this once and never have to worry about it again. Cause we don't have open enrollments at crowd health. Like it's month to month. If you want to quit next month, you can quit next month. If you want to quit in four years, you can quit in four years. Our average person's you know, with us for two and a half or three years or something like that. So 
Um, you know, it takes five minutes to sign up. You never have to worry about it again. How beautiful is that? That's worth its weight in gold. Sure is. Yeah, I heard you when you were on with Breedlove. One of my main takeaways that everyone listening is thinking is why is the system and and even just your plan take it if you've had a health insurance plan an hmo a ppo whatever it is it is one of the most confusing things anyone ever comes across i consider myself squared away on so many fronts can can read through these documents generally understand them when it comes to healthcare i i am totally in the dark and i know everyone feels that way and it changes so frequently Let's start with just a really high level question. Take this however you want it. What is an HMO and a PPO? I don't know. I don't know what those things are. Like, <laughs> we don't even know what those acronyms mean. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Why is the system so opaque, Andy? I think a lot of people make money when things are opaque, don't they? Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got a whole group of people who are making money on the opaque opaqueness, opacity, whatever the word is. Opacity. Of yeah. Opa- opacity um, of, of our system. And so it, it, I mean, it creates tons of jobs. And in fact, it probably sucks up 30 or 40% of our healthcare dollars. Just people doing, just dealing with the opaque nature of, of the healthcare system. And so, you know, as you're trying to, to change the system, you're, you're taking a lot of food off of people's tables um, because they see their, you know, fearful that their their job is going to disappear and so i mean i think a lot of it is just that like it 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 funds a lot of people which then fund a lot of lobbyists which then fund a lot of legislators who keep this craziness you know intact as opposed to you know as i say blow it up or burn it down um and so i think a lot of it candidly is is that i mean we can go into more kind of mechanics of how health insurance works but i mean i think at a fundamental level greed the love of money is the root of all evil right i think greed and money is is the primary reason why our health insurance system is just so screwed up yeah and it's another one of those bureaucracy begets bureaucracy because if you're a bureaucrat the more of them you can have more underlings you have the more prominent you look the bigger your raise is the more you know you move your way up the chain you want to this is the same reason like all these three-letter agencies continue to grow even when their mandates change or they're completely negated, like there's multiple totally. agencies that do the same thing, like ATF, FBI, there's overlap all over the place. But the more bureaucrats that I can get under me in this giant pyramid, the more successful I appear, the more successful I am in the end. There was something like, I, I forget what it was, but I think Ramaswamy said in one of his debates or maybe it was something, an interview I was watching, like, I'm going to get the totally the numbers wrong, but it's something like there are 100,000 FBI agents. And 70,000 of them are in Washington, D.C. field office, or Washington, D.C. headquarters. It's like it's wild. 70% of them aren't even out in the field doing stuff, you know, to pr- pr- protect us. It's all bureaucracy on the back end doing, yeah. you know, BS stuff in, in D.C. I mean, just one example. Um, and so, again, th- those numbers may not be r- perfectly right, but it's something it's like 70% of FBI agents are in that Washington headquarters. Um, it's just it's craziness. Yeah. And it's also this duopoly that we have going on. There's two major healthcare companies and the barrier to entry for anyone that wants to compete with them is so high because of legislation and lobbyists haven't done what they've done. I mean, they've created a moat that is so far and wide that nobody can enter to compete. Yeah. Regulatory capture, right? Exactly. So, I mean, it's not surprising when costs keep going up, when there's a duopoly and there's a moat so wide, nobody can compete. Yeah, well, you, you have a couple. You have a couple really big healthcare companies. United Healthcare, I think, something yeah. like ten or twelve percent of the United States healthcare costs go through United Healthcare. Um, wow! And so you have United Healthcare coming into you know Austin, Texas, or whatever this is where I live, and there's two big hospital systems here, and then it's a pissing match between the two big hospital systems and the United Healthcare, and you know. The two hospital systems basically say, listen, if you don't want our hospital system, you'll lose out all of Austin, Texas. So I'm not negotiating with you. And so they just are like, okay. And the, you know, rates go up. And so, you know, I think I mentioned this last year. It's like the hospital systems clearly want the rates go up, to go up. The healthcare yeah. companies, the health insurance companies actually don't mind over the long term if, if healthcare, you know, rates go up because they make more money when healthcare rates go up. So you know, the buyer and the seller of healthcare both want healthcare to go up, it's going to go up. And there's just no market forces that are pushing 
you know, healthcare down, the, the right. prices down. So that's really what we're trying to change. I was messing around with uh, Google's Bard chat AI, and I asked it, how can we fix healthcare? Crowd Health logo came up, right? Yeah, just <laughs> no, boom. no, just the opposite. It said its first talking point was move to a single payer system where the government takes full oh, control. For God's sakes. I'm like this. You can't tell me these things aren't completely fucking captured when Google's first the first talking point <laughs> is let's just let the government take complete control because that'll fix this situation of a monopoly or bureau, uh, duopoly that has just encompassed this whole thing. And <laughs> Musk, obvi- I don't know if you guys heard about his new AI, AI called Grok. It's fucking yeah. hilarious. So it is like the anti-woke AI. I just wanted to tell you th- this. So this woman asked it how babies are made. <laughs> Listen to this thing's response. It says, oh, dear human, you're in for a real treat. Babies are made through a magical process called fucking. <laughs> and then it goes on. It goes on for like a paragraph explaining what that means in like extremely coarse wow. terminology. I cannot wait to use this thing. I'm, lo- I'm so looking forward to it. There's going to be nothing in between. This is the problem with so much of society right now. If you've got, let's just take the realm of AI. You've got Google on one end and then Elon's going to overcorrect on the other end and all us normal people are going to be left in the middle with no useful tools. It's a freaking shame. <laughs> type, type in there like what, 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 how to change healthcare into that one and let's see what happens. If, if I'm curious. I don't have access to it comes up. Oh, Okay. Yeah. We need yeah to, I uh, will. Believe me, we're going to pay for we it. We need to have a follow up on that. We do. Yeah, we will. I want to read this quote. So I have a friend, Andy, that's a physician. Not going to say anything about him. No specifics. We're not going to get him in trouble. But I asked him yesterday when I was prepping for this, just high level thoughts. Didn't feed him anything about the direction we were going to go. Knows nothing about my views on it. Knows nothing about you. He sent me a long response. I'm going to read one section. He says, this is a physician. I don't think anyone is motivated to keep costs down. This is kind of a half-baked idea, but sometimes it feels like there's a giant circle jerk between the hospitals, government, and insurance companies to keep raising costs together. And I, and I, I was listening on your podcast. You were saying health insurance is a B2B relationship. There is no direct-to-consumer component. It is a bizarre, incredibly important component of all our lives where the, the consumer, the person that's actually using the services, is basically cut out from this huge vortex. What is the history here? Because as we sit here on the sidelines, it, it seems so backwards and so dysfunctional. What do you, and if you don't have anything great here, feel free to pass and we'll go to the next question. But do you have any nuts and bolts to walk us through? I don't know what the timeline is. The last couple of decades, the last 50 years of how the system got this wayward? Yeah. I mean, I think that was for hundreds of years, it's been community-based, right? It's been either, you know, you're, you're, community, your farming community, your agricultural community, whatever it is, if somebody gets in trouble, the community gathers around you and helps you out. They plow your field, they, you know, take care of your kids, they do whatever you need to do, right? And that's ultimately, you know, kind of what it was back 100 years ago. And then back in the 1920s, where Blue Cross Blue Shield kind of set was set up, it was a, a mutual aid. So you, a bunch of people would get together and basically say, hey, if you get in trouble, I'll help you. If you get in trouble, I'll help you. And so there was a direct kind of peer-to-peer relationship there back in the 1920s. And that went on for a long period of time until, you know, where's that website? WTF 1971 or 1972, whatever it was. It's 71. Have you seen that website? 71? WTF 1971. Well, 1972, I believe it was the HMO Act that happened. And it basically put into law what our current healthcare system looks like. And then if you look at 1972 up till now, so the last 15, 50 years, that's when healthcare costs just like skyrocketed. Um, you know, and so as long as you have these these companies who, in essence, are responsible for your health as opposed to the individual responsible for your, their health, there is nothing to keep healthcare expenses down. Again, the market forces disappeared in 1972. Um, you know, we got depegged from gold in the 1970s. The market forces, you know, and healthcare got you know, uh, screwed up in the 1970s. And, the, and, and along with that, um, you know, our healthcare, our health, actual health of human beings went down in the 1970s. So diabetes in the 1970s was about 1% of the population. Now it's up wow. to nine or 10% of the population, right? So we've 10X the amount of diabetes over the last 50 years. And so all of these things are happening about the same time. So 
you know, it, it really went went awry in the 1970s. So you can you can say you can you know thank the you know Nixon administration and 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 others in the 1970s to help us with that. So and by the way, the the origin of the food pyramid started in the 1970s. It didn't show up for about 15 or 20 years later, but the 1970s is when the origin of that started. And so all these things happened at around the same time. Hmm. It, that sounds low. That ten percent number of people with uh, better diabetics these days. Because yeah, that I sounds mean, low it, to a paramedic. Yeah, it's all. Yeah, it's also because we see sick people all the time. But I, I would bet. What do you think, Dan? It's like thirty to forty percent of people we see. I bet. Are I mean, diabetics. we we literally are in the habit of we check a blood sugar on virtually every single patient. Sure. Because a that can be a factor for a lot of different presentations, but also we catch a lot of diabetes in the field. So someone calls you for a totally unrelated reason, you take their blood sugar, it's 328, and you go, hey, yo, when we take you in, you're going to need uh, to look deeper here to see what's going on because it's very likely that you're pre-diabetic yeah. or diabetic. Yeah, it's, it's about 10%, but pre-diabetic, I think pre-diabetic, it's something crazy like 30 or 40% of the population is pre-diabetic. Yeah. You know, so and those are not people in the 300s, but those are people in the 140s, 150s, 190s, right? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it has skyrocketed over the last 50 years. And, and what they say is about a quarter of our healthcare expenses, so about a trillion dollars a year, are being uh, spent on diabetics. Man, oh man. So a trillion dollars a year on diabetics. And that, that kind of goes back to food. We can kind of go down the rabbit hole if we want to, but like- Yeah, we will. We, we, eat, we, will. we eat crap. Before we uh, before we do move on to food, though, I, I wanted to hear your because I know you you had some illness recently, Andy, and you ended up yeah. in the healthcare system. Tell us just a bit about some of the most obscene stuff that you got charged um, during that experience, or some of the most absurd uh, goings on, and how Crowd Health worked. Raw, raw, just total. What worked? What didn't? With walk us through that whole process too. Yeah, totally. No, I, I appreciate that because I I think. You know, so many screwed up things happen, and if you once you see it, like you can hear about it. Once you experience it, it's like a whole nother realm, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, I I was sitting here actually in this room having a, a Zoom conversation with a couple of my folks, and uh, my my I couldn't put a sentence together. Um, I couldn't come up with words. My I started having slurred speech, and so that's scary. I shut down the zoom call i knew something was wrong i went out here i met the bitcoin commons in in austin and uh parker lewis actually i'm sure you guys know parker yep. was uh was sitting outside and was like parker call 911 so i get here and you know some of you guys came you know they took my blood sugar um and fortunately it was you know 89 or something like that they showed me this little card that has like little pictures on it um they're like tell me what this is you know and uh then they had me say something like, uh, "Can't teach an old dog, teach new, old tricks. dog yeah. new tricks." Yeah, I, or skies are blue not, in Cincinnati. I could not get it. Will Cole, Will, yeah, many of you know Will, um, who's here at the Commons too. He kind of looked at me like I was like, "New tricks to old dogs can't." I'm like, I could not put it together. And so the EMS guys were like, "We're out," you know, and we, you know, got me into a, a, an ambulance and got me to the local hospital. The cool, great thing is, is I had my wife on my on the phone and and they were like, So what hospital do you want to take him to? And you know, the awesome thing about crowd health is she didn't care because we don't have any networks. Like you don't mm -hmm. have to worry about is the hospital in network or out of network. Like did not care. She just like the closest one. Um and you can imagine, right? Like if one of your wives called you or you got a call and it's like your wife can't talk, you know, like you'd be freaking out. Um totally. so mm -hmm. she's just like, just get him to a hospital, right? So that's one of the beauties. So, you know, got to the hospital and, you know, with, within an hour, you know, they realized that it wasn't a stroke. That's what they thought it was, that I probably had a really bad migraine that impacted my speech. But um, I got that news around 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, but the neurologist had left. And so they had to keep me overnight. So they knew it was a migraine by mid-afternoon, but they kept me overnight another 24 hours why i don't know um i'm speculating here but there was a lot of revenue generated in that next 24 hours some of the craziest of which was the iv drip um you know this is a bag of salt water basically yep. that bag of normal from saline a, yep 
Yeah, that hangs from a metal rack that's connected to a little pump that I can I can buy online for fifteen hundred bucks. The ones Dan and I grab at the hospital like candy and toss into the ambulance. Yeah, yep. exactly. And so you may have seen my tweet on this, so you could be cheating, but I got charged, I think it was like fifty three hundred dollars for a three dollar <laughs> bag of saline. That is obscene. I wow. mean, it's it was crazy. <laughs> and then and then the next day, um, two an occupational therapist and a physical therapist show up and they're like, Hey, we know you have a migraine. We're just doing this like formality so we can get you out of here. I'm like, great, no problem. She's like, put on your socks. I put on socks and brush your teeth. I put on, brush my teeth. Walk, let's walk 15 or 20 steps down the hall. We walk 15 and 20 steps down the hall. She's like, great, we're out of here. 10 minutes, maybe 15. Most of the time they spent it talking to my wife. Um, and I get the bill and they billed me six 15 minute visits that ranged from like, 200 to $400. I think it was like $2,000 total for 10 minutes. That was for a formality. And they said, I, they, I had nutritional therapy and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, what the hell are you guys talking about? Like you, you were here for 10 <laughs> minutes talking to my wife, you know, and you billed me $2,000 for it. Was the nutrition therapy like a donut and some cranberry juice, some crappy little cranberry juice they give you at the hospital? Didn't talk on nutrition at all. Unbelievable. You know, and I got, I got double charged for the MRI. I got double charged for the CAT scan. I got double charged for all my health panels. They, I got a charge for $7 from the local uh, lab for my a comprehensive metabolic test or something like that. Um, and the, the hospital charged me for the same test for $250. And so all of this, you know, was like 26 grand or something like that. And wow. so, you know, somebody at Crowd Health goes yeah. through that, looks at it walks through it like so this happened and this happened right and then this happened right you know like looking through the bill and it was like no that didn't happen that didn't happen like what the hell like i was on telemetry even after they knew that i was had a migraine and they telemetry is basically those little you know you guys know what this guy is like little things that they connect to you that's connected another to a little 1500 hundred dollar box that basically says is my heart beating um Mm -hmm. (laughs) in essence um and they charged me $5,200 $5,200 for that. And it was like, huh, that's kind of interesting that they would do that after. So long story short is you kind of go through this and say, all these, these things are bogus, right? So then we send that report to our legal team. Our legal team now writes that up and sends it to the hospital and says, listen, all of these things are bogus. Um, you overcharge for this. You, you, we didn't get this service. And in essence, what I think is going to happen is that $26,000 bill is probably going to get down to two or 3,000, 4,000 maybe. Wow. Um, and again, I, I, I have to do very little. It's the crowd health team does 90% of this. Um, and then once we have that, that finalized bill, crowd health will come back to me and say, Hey Andy, we negotiated with the hospital. It's, we'll just say $3,000. We're not there yet. We're still in the negotiation process, but it's $3,000. Are you okay if we crowdfund this for $3,000? I say, yep, go and crowdfund it. I'll pay the first 500 bucks of that. We'll send that to 25 other people, you know, for a hundred bucks each. If they say yes, then a hundred dollars will go from, you know, their crowd health bank account to my crowd health bank account. And then I can pay the hospital directly out of that account. Right. So that's in essence how that whole thing will play out. So it's very, very little effort on mine. The crowd health team takes most of that for me because. I don't know what CPT code 95083 is, right? But, right. you know, there are people at CrowdHealth that do. And so they can tell me what that is and whether it was, you know, something that should have gotten done and things like that. So um, it was, it, you know, it's a, it's a great experience and it's way better from my perspective than getting an explanation of benefits in, the, in the, the mail and being like, what the hell is all this stuff, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So we're really trying to be an ally to members, you know, as they kind of walk through these really complex you know health situations the the fact of the matter is if you're going to rectify nonsense you have to be able to wade through it like yeah. you get these bills there's so much bullshit on them well somebody has to be able to speak bullshit or you're trapped inside the system totally cue the experts on your team other comment i wanted to say we are thankful that you're okay because i will say i'm sure josh will agree that Sudden onset expressive aphasia, which you had, 
Yes. Uh, I don't know what the stats would be just from my seven years of being well. a medic, but that generally doesn't turn out well. I would, yeah. if I off the top of my head, 70 to 80% of the time, that's a blockage or bleed. Very thankful you're okay. And I think this is a good time in this episode to insert and discuss a lot of people in the Bitcoin community, understandably, have tremendous distrust for healthcare and the broader mm-hmm. just medical expertise. Especially after the last three years, right? Mm -hmm. Totally understand that. Completely sympathize with that. We share Mm -hmm. a lot of those opinions and dispositions. In your situation, though, you made a very, very intelligent choice to tell someone what was going on, recognize the potential severity, and act on it. Because there have been people, even in my own life, that have so much distrust to the system that there's this sort of hubris to think everybody's a clown. I'm going to do mine. I'm never going to the hospital. I'm never going to seek treatment. Fuck the whole thing. But the fact of the matter is there are some things that happen in your life. Chest pain, sudden onset mental status changes, vision changes. The list could go on. Non-negotiables that if you're, I don't care what your setup is, if you start to experience these things, you need to be honest and you need to seek treatment. Amen. And the shame is, we talked about this some before we click record. I think that the saddening part for us and the part that makes our heart break some at work is that even for a lot of our patients, the most stressful physical predicament that they're, they've ever been in that we show up on also turns out to be one of the most stressful financial predicaments they've ever had. And you, Josh and I will both agree, we have looked people in the eye that are having crushing chest pain that need tr- immediate treatment and transport. And their primary concern is where am I going? I need to go to the right place. And how much is this going to cost? And the two of us sit there and we have absolutely no clue how much it's going to cost. We don't know anything about the complexities of what network they're in. And they're just at the mercy of a system. There's no predictability to what's about to happen to them. And that is anxiety producing. Um, So it's, it's heartening to hear at least with this sort of arrangement that you have and that you, you folks are building there's a sense of predictability and transparency and understanding for what's about to happen where you and your family can focus on the immediate physical need, not the, not the financial stress of what's going to happen next. Totally. Totally. Look, I think it's a, it's a really important point because, you know, the alternative for many of the people who are considering crowd health is Obamacare. You know, and most of those plans, if you have a family, is ten, twelve, fourteen thousand dollars $14,000 deductibles. And so... That's a big enough number where you really have to think hard. Like, do I really want to go and do this? You know, and for me, you know, I started gobbledygooking my words. I'm like, something's wrong. Like, I got to go. I didn't even think about it. Right. And it's like, you don't have to think about whether or not I should go to the hospital when you have ultimately, if, the, if that was a stroke, a brain bleed, like it could have killed me. Right. Like, yes. that's the last thing you want to do when you are, you have a condition that could kill you, you know? And so it's like, I had, I was sat and I was sat in, sitting in the, the hospital uh, bed and my wife was sitting there. I was like, this is great because I don't have to worry about my healthcare right now. I mean, my bills, like all I have to do is worry about my health and all you have to do is worry about your health. And like, that is the beauty of what we have. And one of the reasons why we say, Hey, listen, you need to come up with a little bit, 500 bucks before the community will come and help you out. You had to have a little skin in the game. Everybody should be able to come up with 500 bucks, but I don't think everybody should or has the ability to come up with ten, twelve, fourteen thousand dollars, right? And that's going to put people into really big financial stress. And so, yeah, I was I was sitting in my bed like I'm not worried about this. I don't have to worry about any of this. I was kind of playing the game. Like I'm wondering what they're going to do and what they're going to charge me for because this is kind of fun, you know. Like <laughs> let's see, you know, let's pay attention here. Um, and so that that I think is one of the big biggest benefits of crowd health. I can go and get really great care. And I don't have to worry about the 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 cost, the ultimate cost of that, um, because I think I, I know with a high probability the crowd is going to help me out, and that man that that ease of peace of mind is is really valuable to me. Yeah, you would be shocked how long people delay calling nine one one with chest pain. People mm. people wait days sometimes with chest pain before they decide it might be a good idea to call or. It's not usually with strokes because it's so obvious that people are like, wow, something's going on here. I got to call. But yeah, people will go days with chest pain. Even people that have even retired firefighters that I know waited. I know one person in particular waited a day or two and then like, 
luckily was okay but it's 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 a combination of like anxiety because they're afraid of something's wrong and it's almost like one of those if i put my head in the sand it'll go away well it's probably not going to go away and it's the other crushing financial side of it that a lot of people are scared of and that combination can be literally deadly I, a part of me is like hates that people look at crowd health and be like, oh, well, it's so much less expensive than the others. Like, yeah, it is. But the other part of this too is you, I think you get better care. Like I, I, the fact that you don't have to worry about going to the hospital when you need to go get to the hospital, the fact when you get to the hospital or you get to the doctor's office, people actually treat you differently. Cause I always say, you know, I've, I've posted this on Twitter a couple of times, like you work for whoever pays you. And so the doctors are paid by the insurance company. And therefore, they're, what they can and cannot do is dictated by the insurance companies. Whereas if I'm paying the doctor, like they do what I want them to do. They ask yeah. me, you know, they, you know, the, this guy, this, this doctor shows up and he's like, hey, so I don't know if you're having a stroke. I want to give you a medication. Um, and I just want to let you know that this could make your stroke much, much worse um, or, you know, may not have any impact at all. And do you want that? Me and my wife looked at him and like, hell no like hell no we don't want this but they gave us a choice right like they gave us a choice on this um you know and and so it's like when you're giving a, a given a choice and when you're dictating the, the path of of care i mean there's a ton of empowerment in that you know and thankfully i just said no because that drug for 75 milligrams or whatever this drug was it was forty thousand dollars um so thank thankfully i said no um i didn't know that at the time but <laughs> i'm assuming that was after your scan right they already did the the scan before they offered that up? No, it was before my scan. It was before my scan. Yeah. Mm. Before mm. my scan, they said, you could be having a stroke right now because they, you know, they showed me this little card and, and you guys probably know these cards. Um, one of them has this boy on a chair grabbing a cookie jar. And he's like, what is that boy grabbing? And I said, the closest I could come was birthday cake. Like I couldn't even come up with the He's like, this guy's like, okay, something's going on here. Yeah. So they thought I was having a stroke. You know, fortunately, mm-hmm. after this CAT scan and the and the uh, MRI, they're like, yeah, this is not a stroke; it's something else. So, anyway, it's too much into my details, my brain. <laughs> what it makes me think of as you're talking, and and this might be interesting for crowd health community and a lot of our listeners, because we really are on sort of the other side of some of these incentives. Being a fireman's really interesting because we're, we're paid by a municipality, but, we're, but our, our licenses are under a medical director. We're totally the first chain in the healthcare system headed to the hospital, but we're this weird in between. And we, we face a lot of the sort of cumbersome dynamics of, of an overly litigious and large healthcare system. Mm. But yet we do this whole other firefighting thing. It's kind of a weird spot, but we do get a window into it and hopefully not saying too much. Like if you call us, right, if you call 911 in our community, we show up with five paramedics, which I think is the best level of care. Cause if you're having a very significant issue, all those hands on deck are great, but it pretty much doesn't matter whatsoever. What your complaint is. We have to recommend that you go to the hospital. Okay, there, there's really, we're at a point in society and the, just the amount of litigation towards first responders, which has escalated tremendously in the last couple of decades, where the days of saying like, you're good to stay home, um, they're basically over. So you could call for okay. a hangnail and we're going to be like, we recommend transport to the, to the hospital. You know what I mean? And so it, it, you have to now, you have to now magnify our position tenfold for a doctor where the buck really stops right if you're if you're the er physician now you're getting much closer to where the the buck stops and when you follow the incentives which we love Mm -hmm. to do as bitcoiners you realize that there is a motivation to cover their ass and to to cast a an enormous and enormously wasteful wide net on all the possibilities that could be happening with andy right because healthcare is not a perfect science. It's a giant game of trial and error. There's, it takes a long time to narrow the possibilities down to what it could be. But we, you can always play the what if game. What if it's this obscure random thing that happens to 16 people a year in the United States? Well, we'd have to do the blood work to see if, you know what I mean? And so you kind of, sure. you get to this point where it just adds up CT, MRI, blood test, x-rays for something that maybe just needed an assessment. But I'm what I'm saying here, I'm not saying that to demonize the physicians because I'm saying, we feel that on our end. Physicians don't know. The physicians don't know, you know what these things cost. Yeah. They have no clue. 
they're just trying yeah. to cover their ass, right, Andy? It's essentially at the end of the day. And so I think that's right. My my only pushback on that though is like, you know, a lot of people you, you mentioned labs, right? And and people yep. are get labs. I got labs twice while I was in the hospital, and I think they cost five grand or something like that. You know, I think I think waste or the price of total price of something is uh, or the total cost of something is price times quantity, right? And so what we're talking about is the quantity side. What I think is really screwed up is the price side, right? And so mm-hmm. I can go saying. get a full set of labs for 50 bucks, right? And if I want to go get a full set of labs for 50 bucks four times a year just to see kind of where my thing is, is that wasteful at 50 bucks or is it not? Now, if those same labs were $2,500, which yeah. I think mine were something crazy, like four times a year, which is $10,000. Now, is that wasteful? Like that's where I think we are really getting screwed up is because the MRI, which is probably, you know, $100 worth of, worth of marginal cost, something like that, you charge me, I don't know, what it was five or $6,000. Like that to me is where the problem is. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, what if we put tools in the hands of paramedics or doctors or whatever? There were actually like really low cost tools because, you know, maybe we only need, this is maybe a terrible example, but like maybe we only need a colonoscopy once out of every 10 years. But if I want to pay the 700 bucks to go and get a colonoscopy once every three or four years, like go for it. Is that wasteful? Like, I don't know your, your decision, your money, yeah. you can go do whatever, whatever you want. And so, but is it wasteful at $5,000? Yeah, probably. Right. And yeah. So if we can get mm. these prices down, which I think you can't tell me that a bag of salt water is $5,400. Like you just can't, right? Like there's, there's no way that you can, you know, logically get there. And so like, that is the problem. And it's, it's definitely a combination of things though. It's, it's amortizing massive costs of bureaucracy. Mm. Yeah. One yes. thing it's, it's amortizing the litig- litigious nature of the U S system in general. And then it's amortizing the actual costs that are there, which is, I think we all understand that that bag of normal sailing is definitely like five bucks. Yeah. But like, there's so many other things built into it. Plus, there's probably a massive percentage of people that simply don't pay their bill, so they're amortizing that in there too. There's a lot of shit that's getting tossed on top of this. That's I'm not justifying it by at all. But what I'm saying is, I think, and then there's obviously like there's got to be a, a profit margin somewhere. This totally. is all completely understood by everybody, but it's just the massive overreach and like just obvious screwing you over when you're getting charged five grand for a bag of saline that is so preposterous that it's hard to believe. Yeah, it's hard to believe. And, 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 you know, so there was another uh, kind of fun, you know, maybe people magazine tidbit or something, but like, um, uh, princess, uh, what's her name? William, what's William's wife's name? Uh, Sorry, I'm not a people mm, magazine. We pay no person. attention to this shit. We're the two worst people to ask on the planet. Wait, is she the crazy one that took him to LA? No, 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 no. Uh, the, it's the other one. Oh, Whatever. the other Prince one. William yeah, had his last baby at basically like the nicest uh, hospital in London. Like it's like the Ritz Carlton of hospitals. And and that pregnancy, I think, cost $8,000. Okay. So this is a private room with maid, which, you know, like $8,000. Our, our, our average uh, uh, in the United States for a, for a birth, um, vaginal birth at, you know, run of the mill hospital is like twice, more than twice that, right? And so something is going wrong in the United States healthcare system <laughs> that, that makes, you know, the most expensive place in the, one of the most expensive places in the planet, London, cheaper than, you know, Temple, Texas, you know, which is twice that, right? Like it just doesn't make any damn sense. And I th- and I think it's 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 the bureaucracy on the back end that basically the hospitals can just jack up prices every year, right? And so and and therefore they jack up the cost structure every year through a bureaucratic you know BS on the back end, so they can look at everybody and say, hey, look, I'm only getting three or four percent margins. It's because your cost structure is totally crazy, right? I, I was watching the All In podcast. I don't know if you guys watch All In podcast. Yep. One of my favorites. It was from two or three weeks ago where David Sachs was talking about, I forget what it was, it was like an RPG or something like that. The United States it, uh, pays, I'm going to screw up the numbers, but I think it's like $7,000 for per rocket propelled grenade or something, uh, where Russia pay is $700. So we pay 10x what Russia mm. has, but because the United States government has this cost plus system, 
So all these, you know, uh, you know, in this military industrial complex, all they do is keep ratcheting up costs so that they can put 10% on, on top of that. And therefore you get $7,000 grenades as opposed to $700 grenades. And it's the same thing happening in the hospital system. They're just ratcheting up costs um, w- without, you know, thinking about how to have a low cost structure. And you just get these preposterous out of, you know, crazy prices. I think it's very analogous. It's very now. It's not perfect, but it's pretty analogous is how this is going on. Another another good analogy for just showing how the free market can step into some of these uh, government monopolies and and just show the power of the free market is what Musk has done with rockets. Yeah, the SLS rocket, which is what NASA has been working on for twenty years now. It's recycled shuttle parts, and it's costing one point five billion dollars per rocket, and it's not reusable. It goes up once, it's gone. Where uh, SpaceX is doing that with, it's like $150 million to launch one of their rockets, which are fully reusable. And they've done this in the last 15 years or so. So, I mean, introducing actual uh, market forces into something where, you know, it's been a, an oligopoly of a few different, like Boeing and ULA and a couple others, but that is just a, a huge exclamation mark on what we're talking about here. And it's actually happening in one of the, probably the most complicated endeavor humanity's ever done. And he did it 10x less, 10x improvement. And I think maybe it's not 90%, but it's at least 50 or 60%. You can do the same thing in healthcare. For sure. It's nowhere near as complicated as rockets. 8% of healthcare costs go to the actual doctors. 8%. So 92% is going to something else. That's a crazy statistic. Yeah. So the doctors who are taking care of you is less than 10% of what the actual cost is, right? The, The cost. So... You know, I think there's a long way to go, you know, downward deflation in healthcare if we can introduce, you know, some kind of market economics. And that's what we're trying to do. Look, for my bill, I'm going to get my bill down by 80% or more, right? Um, Just Mm -hmm. by pointing out the ridiculousness of some of these charges that the health insurance plan, they just will pay it. Like, they'll just pay it and not worry about it, right? And so it's like, you know, and, and you'll be happy that they pay it. Um, but we're going to go in there and say, no, all this is BS. Like you can't do this. And, you know, in fact, we're, we're talking to attorneys to say like, is there a systemic hospital, um, ploy to keep prices going up by overcharging people in essence, price gouging, which we think there are both state and federal laws being broken here. And if that's the case, then we're going to go, you know, we're going to go to the mat just with some of these big, big hospital systems, um, to say, you can't do this. Like, you can't do this on a systemic basis. You can't charge me $5,000 for a bag of saline. Like you just can't, yeah. that's not fair. You know, it's, it's, it's very similar from my perspective on, you know, people fleeing Florida on I-95 from hurricanes and these little, you know, crappy motels along the way say, oh, I'm going to, you know, charge $1,000. Like that's outlawed. You can't do that. In the same way, you can't have somebody who, you know, can't talk and you take them to the hospital. You can't charge them a hundred or 200 times, you know, what the cost is like, that's, that is price gouging. Um, and it should be illegal if it's not, you know, and we're looking very hard on whether it is illegal. And if it's not, then I think those, these should be categorized the same way as those, you know, crappy motels along I-95 or I-35 in Texas or wherever. Yeah. When you walk in to an emergency room, unable to speak, you're basically a house on Halloween with a bowl of candy and nobody at the front door. Totally. And the kids who are the hospital, the kids are just coming in and absolutely cleaning your clock. They're taking everything. They're taking the Kit Kats and the Reese's and the Sour Patch Kids. And there's nothing you can fucking do about They're it. They're toilet papering your house and, you know, throwing a brick through your window. Yeah, yeah but in, in healthcare, the thing is it, nobody cares because you're, you're, what you're doing is you're, you're extracting as much value out of United Healthcare, which might as well be Darth Vader. Right. Like we're, we're, we're screwing Darth Vader, right? Like nobody cares if Darth Vader gets screwed. <laughs> right. Right. And what yeah. we're, tr- what we're trying to say is like, no, 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 you're screwing me, a human being who has to ultimately pay for this, you know? And that's where I think the dynamic changes is if doctors can see like, look, you know, we can't maximize profit here. Cause this is Andy. He's got to pay this with out of his own funds. This is not United healthcare. Um, and so that's ultimately what we're trying to do. And we have story after story of people you know, including myself, who had had doctors say, say, "Oh, your self pay." Like, okay, I'm I'm going to think about this differently. You know, and yeah. and it's it's wonderful. It's a wonderful experience when you tell a doctor that you're self pay. 
they're like, this is awesome. Now we can actually have a doctor patient relationship without the government or insurance being in between us. Like that's the way that it should be. Mm. Um, to switch gears a tad, we want to get to some health stuff, but I want to get this one in because I think it's a little bit of a unique angle and one we want to prioritize. We have a tremendous amount of respect for people like you that are out there creating the new founders, entrepreneurs. This process that you've gone through is really involved, really challenging. Walk us through more just the business side of getting an idea and then carrying it out to fruition. What are the challenges, frictions, and rewards that come with that whole process? And like how you do it day to day, because it's so demanding, I'm sure. You've got a family. You're trying to captain this entire ship. I know you got a huge team, but there's a lot of stress that comes with, with this path that you're on. Talk to us just about that, about the, the last few years and, and the stresses of being a, a, a founder of a new company. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's one of those where you've got to decide, right? Is the is the stress of running a company worth it? You know, or or do you want to be in the stands watching, being commentators? You know, and so for me, it's just my personality. It's like I can't be in the stands watching. I got to go and do. You know, I got to go do something. You know, a part of my just purpose on this planet. I think God put me here to to find gaps where people are struggling and and try to try to help them. Um, so this is, you know, I guess third time I'm doing this. And so, you know, it's just, it is just in my wiring to be like, I've got to be in the arena, you know, the Roosevelt quelled about, uh, about, you know, the man in the arena, like that one, every time I read it, I'm almost like brings tears to my eyes. It's like, I wish more people would know that, that quote. I wish I, I need to, to memorize it, but it's like, basically like the one you're talking about, you're going to, you're going to get, you're going to get, you know, toiled and spit at and you know and all but but you're doing something like you're in the arena actually making this world a better place as opposed to sitting at sitting at home and you know writing blogs like i don't mean to rip on people writing blogs but like if you want to be the commentator but you don't want to go actually go in and do the work like i have very little respect for that type of person if you're in the and 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 by the way online i get ripped all the time for trying to disrupt the healthcare space. And if you're not doing something about it, like then I don't, I, who cares? Like shut the hell up. You know, if you're actually doing something and disagree with me, I'm like, okay, like let's have a conversation. Like at least you're doing something. You know, exactly. at least you guys are like battling the fire and you guys are battling, you know, the 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 the, the illness or the sickness that people are, are bringing you with. Like you're actually doing something about it, you know? And so to me, that gives me a ton of energy and it comes with stress. Um, but I think the one thing that I'm 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 pretty good at is you know majoring in the major and minoring in the minor, meaning mm. really really focusing on like what are the big things that can have an impact on my business today, you know. And I show up at work at eight thirty and I'm out by five, you know. I spend I, I make sure that I'm like with my girls. We talked about our kids before we started this. Like me being with my girls every night for dinner is way more important, you know, than anything else I'm doing. And so it's just Amen. priority. Like everybody, everybody knows. Like I'm gone at five, and my investors know that. I'm like, my girls are, you know, one, two, and three, including my wife, right? Like, and so if you want me to be here until ten o'clock at night, then you know I just can't do that. Like it's not in my. But then it makes you focus. I don't think anybody's more productive than me during the eight hours that I'm at work. You know, eight or nine hours that I'm at work every day. And so it's just like I think people, entrepreneurs, I see them all the time, like spinning their wheels on stuff that just does not matter you know it's like it's a constant question for me like is this having an impact is this conversation with you guys having an impact on my business like i gotta ask that question right yep. and so yeah i mean thousands of people are going to hear about crowd health and at least, at least have some interest in what we're doing that's great for my business i gotta make those decisions and so some people just have a very difficult time making decisions like what can have an impact on my business today and therefore spend 12 hours a day doing jack because they can't figure out what makes an impact. What you just delineated there, one of the things I think, it's the omission. It's the ability to say no when that's the right thing to do. I think a lot of people have the, they want to they be people pleasers. They want to make everyone happy. So they say yes to everything, which you're still, you're making a decision that can be very negative for you in the long run. If you're trying to appease everybody instead of picking and choosing what the most important things are, and obviously not being an asshole to people when you say no to them, 
you know, but you, you just can't say yes to everybody. I think that's one of the biggest problems that people have. Yeah. You, you, you gotta put a, you gotta put a monetary value on your, your time too. Like, you know, I got a monetary value on my time. Is this worth X dollars to do this? Right. And if it is, I'll do it. If it's not, then I won't do it. You know, so you gotta, you gotta constantly have that kind of like, is this worth my time? And you probably have to think what your time is worth and multiply by two, you know, be, so you can actually get a return on your time, not just paying you back, but actually getting returns on your time. And right. so those, those are the things that are going through my brain all the time. Like, is this worth, you know, and in my case, I say like four or five times X, what it costs to have the company to have me because they need to return on the money that, you know, they're spending on me to go and produce. Right. So that's, that's ultimately the way that I look at it. Like, dude, I tell you what, like if it works, you know, if you're being, there's nothing greater than seeing it succeed, right? Like there's nothing greater than the person in Arizona that needs the brain surgery that was like $70,000, getting them to a better brain surgeon for $22,000. You're like, hell yeah, we're changing something, right? And so that feeling is what you're like driving at. Like that's the feeling that I want. And I get that every day with crowd health, which is awesome. It's badass badass and i when i put myself in the shoes of someone like yourself andy you know josh has another side business we have this but our primary vocation it has its challenges for sure we're running ambulance calls in the middle of the night sleep deprivation we do some some crazy wild shit we make some decisions to go in some places that a lot of people wouldn't want to but one of the greatest i guess you could say luxuries from a work-life balance standpoint of our job is when we clock out we are we are out. Mm -hmm. Like I got off duty this morning at 8 a.m. Yes, I worked last night, but I'm done. Like I'm off for 48 hours. I'm completely off. The, when I think about someone in your position, how do you turn it off? Because you, you're in this environment where there is an unlimited amount of work that Andy Schoonover could do in a week. You could, you could clock 300 hours if they existed theoretically working on crowd health. And so you have to make a de decision of how to truncate that down. And that is so much easier said than done. Even running a podcast like this, there's there's so many more hours in the week we could spend. A little window into how how Josh and I run things, and one of the reasons I'm grateful for Josh too is that when you do this as a partner, you have a good team around you. You have accountability, looking at each other to decide what's efficient, right? Josh and I both bring things to the table. I'll be paying attention to some obscure detail, and Josh will be like, "Dan, it's it's not worth our time." And the opposite is also true. I won't be paying attention to an obscure detail. And Dan's like, dude, <laughs> you got to pay attention to that detail. That's a good partnership. Yeah, it is actually. We're very opposite. We respect each what each other brings. Like I'm uh -huh. constantly attuned to him saying that might not be important. And he's constantly <laughs> attuned to realizing Dan may be picking up on this important nuance that I haven't thought of. Right. But without that accountability, either one of us could run rampant. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, look, I, I think that I'm the way that I kind of look at it is um, there, there are kind of five components that I pay attention to. And if one of the components get out of whack, then I get out of whack. One is like sleep. If I don't sleep well, I, I get screwed up. If I'm not yeah. working out, I get screwed up. If I'm not um, eating, eating right, you know, I, I get screwed up. You know, if I'm not uh, in counseling, I do counseling. It just a part of you know what i do you know I, I i get screwed up and what did i i missed one um but you know if like if if you can can focus on like what are the things that make my life work really really well and then just make sure that you're 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 you know constantly doing those things um then i i think you'll you'll be okay so if one of those got out of the whack then i i, I ate like crap last night you know and so i ate like crap and now my sleep is was bad last night and i was up at two o'clock and I stressed out from two o'clock to four o'clock about things going on in the business. And I was like, yeah, if one of those things get out of whack, like it just totally snowballs mm, into, you know, cascades yeah. into, to, to bigger, bigger issues. And so it's like, you've got to, oh, my, my fifth one was quiet time. Um, for me, it's, uh, you know, meditation, prayer, whatever you want to do, like that's got to be a component of, of what we do too. So, you know, if, as long as you, and I can say that as 44, when I was, my first company was at 28, like. I didn't have that at 28. I now have that four, had 44 almost 20 years later uh, because I kind of learned along the way. Like those are the five things I have to have honed in or else I can't do what I want to do during the 24-hour day. This, I've been listening to a ton of Joe Rogan lately and I've been listening to your health podcast, Sovereign Health. 
And one of the things Joe constantly talks about is ice baths. So this morning I was like, I'm going to do this. I filled a tub with the coldest water that I could get out of my faucet. I went and got a ton of ice. I got as much as I could get out of my fridge, which is really not that much, but it was like maybe two gallons of ice. I got the temperature down to 45 and then I got in. Holy shit. That is. And he (laughs) says he does 33 degrees, which my God, that guy's a fucking animal. But at 44 degrees or whatever it was, I stayed in for like three minutes and then I tapped out like a bitch. But try it out. It's uh, it's an experience. That's for sure. And then I get a little workout in. The fact you made that long is pretty good, man. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was pretty stoked. I couldn't get my whole body in because the tub's not big enough, but I got I jammed as much of myself into that as I could. It was it was an experience. And I think if you can really hold it down and I like one of the things he talks about is telling yourself to stop being a bitch because everything in you doesn't want to do it. You do not want to get in that water. But forcing yourself into it, having the discipline and the mental um, fortitude to just force yourself to do the thing you don't want to do. I think that it, it, it's just a good discipline to have yourself in to like go force yourself to work out, force yourself to eat some decent food. Not you don't have to like kill it. You just have to do it on a consistent enough basis where you can, you know, feel better. Totally. And then that that also cascades on itself. You know, you like you feel good. Mm. You feel like you want to go work out and then you get into this this discipline of it grows, you know, and good habits can grow just as bad habits can. And um yeah, I just wanted to tell you guys a story about my ice bath this morning. So thanks for letting me do that. That was awesome. Yeah, well, it, I appreciate that, Josh. That's 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 impressive. Do you have video of it? Yeah, I don't. I thought about it, but oh, I was like, on. full of shit. Uh, I'll you have do a it podcast, more. I'll do it. dude. You have to take a video of it. You can I'll do it naked next time. Insert I'll put here. Video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> as things snowball, though, like for us, this morning's a good example for me too. I came off duty this morning. I didn't sleep awesome last night at work. Uh, but I have found, especially with two little kids and, and recording a lot of times coming off duty, no matter whether I got a bad night's rest at all, digging into it and getting a morning workout in is absolutely imperative for me to maintain even normal energy levels throughout the day. So set the alarm this morning at six 30. Last thing I wanted to do when I was sitting in my bunk was go in and get a run and a lift in, but I did it and my whole day is better for it. This conversation, time with my kids that I had this morning, intentionality with my wife, everything, it really flows downhill of that habit. It could go the other way. Bad night's rest, don't work out today, maybe eat like shit. Habits compound. And I think for me, I've I, <laughs> just the truth of when I least want to do it, that is the most important time for me to do it. 100%. I want to eat like absolute dog shit tonight and drink four vodka tonics. Maybe it's time to hydrate and eat some celery. I absolutely don't want to work out. Now's the time to go dig in, get some sweat out. And it's unbelievable how much that changes the trajectory of my life at this phase when things are busier and energy is in short supply. Being looser with your habits has consequences. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Have you, so having listened to your podcast about sleep, you mentioned during it that you had that issue from like two o'clock to four to six o'clock where you had trouble sleeping. Has that gotten any better with, with the advice he gave you? It has. It has gotten better. The breathing for me is really important. It's, it's hard to focus on your breathing and focus on other things. So, Mm. um, you go back and and listen to the podcast for, for the folks here, but he gives some really good breathing exercises that man totally helped me calm down you know, most of the time last, last night was just a bunch of different things going on at the same time. So like I said, if, if I, if I eat really bad before I, before I, I sleep, I don't, I, I know it happens. And so I don't know why I do it, but I do it, you know, once in a while and you're like, you idiot. Um, so, you know, sometimes you just gotta say you idiot and start again. Like, okay, like I learned from it and let's keep going. That happens to me often. I, I'm lucky enough to get good sleep at home, but when I'm at work, we get a call at like one o'clock in the morning, get back at like two thirty three. It's over for me. Like getting back yeah, to sleep after hard. that. And it's that it's the, you know, you got scared awake, you go do whatever you have to do, you come back and like toning it back down for sleep again for me is like I gotta figure out something because it's really getting me lately. I'm gonna try those breathing techniques. Well, and for us, I think we have to be even more cognizant of being having no misses in our health outside of being firemen. Mm -hmm. Like A, there's strain on our body. B, the sleep every third night. I mean, we do sleep on on paper. The number of calls, even for a department of our size, 
might surprise people. Like the cadence with which people call 911 is so much higher during the daylight hours. So there are nights we sleep. There's many nights there's only one call. But I am still consistently astonished. Even when we sleep through the night, Josh, I'll get home and I will feel absolutely shot. My sleep sucks. I've said this to people that I love and care for and all the dudes we work with. It's like, you don't have as many misses. You need to be really, you need to be good with your diet. You need to be good with exercise. You need to, your mental health, you need to have resources and friendships and therapists, whatever it is that, that get you back to center because- when, when I'm at, when I'm sitting around and I'm, man, I feel off. And then I'm like, oh yeah, no wonder I feel off. It's because we ran two ambulance calls last night and I'm shot, you know? No, no. Mm-hmm. What, from, from recording the pod and going, going more down the, the, the health journey with this, this business and all these people you're talking to, this might be a good way to end. Like, What are some main things that you've implemented from a health and habit perspective that you weren't doing, say, five years ago, Andy? Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, first is the, the the eating before sleep. So I don't, I don't typically. I did last night, but I don't typically eat, you know, within two hours of going to sleep. Um, or else, if I do, I have really try. It, especially if it has any kind of carb component, um, mm. it does have an impact on my sleep. Um, I mean, I think the biggest thing is I've, I've, I know this has kind of become cliche a little bit, but like I think the low carb thing for me has been. Um, a massive impact on on my health um so you know i think metabolic health is something that everybody needs to to take a look at and understand whether or not you're metabolically healthy and you know i think the stat is that 88 percent of us can't say that they have they're metabolically healthy and so you know you you should look and i've, I've got a couple posts on it we talk about it in my podcast but there's kind of five components and you can kind of go through them and for 50 bucks you can figure out you know are you metabolically you know healthy um, and so those are five things that I'm very, very focused on. And that's why I get labs at least twice a year, sometimes three times a year to see, you know, how is my A1C, which is just a measure of, you know, your blood sugars over a three month period of time. You know, where is my HDL? Where is my, where are my triglycerides? Things like that. Um, so I've been very, very focused on metabolic health because if you're metabolically healthy, um, it's something like three X less time, you know. Uh, or you're, you're 3x more likely if you're metabolically unhealthy to get cancer and heart attacks and things like that. So metabolic health has been a super big focus of mine over the last you know couple of years, especially. Josh, we can coax guys into that to get their testosterone numbers. We got a dude. Uh, <laughs> we got a dude, Andy, at the department that just will not shut the fuck up about his testosterone numbers. He went and got labs. He had eight. Was it 884T, Josh? I he's just been spouting I don't off know. the number. I don't eight. believe anything that clown says, dude. I, I think he's full of he shit. He just says 884, <laughs> and he dares everybody to go get labs. <laughs> I think we may need to bribe that physician, by the way. Have him get labs again in 2024. Give him like a 222. Crowdfund to pay off that physician to tell him his T's like 320 or something. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, he'll take whatever the guy tells him to take. Like, okay, give me anabolic steroids. I need to raise my T. I love it. I Anything. Love it. Hey, you do what you can. Andy, you want to give us a handoff to Crowd Health and uh, uh, the Sovereign yeah. Health Podcast? One thing I, w- I would be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, we are introducing a, a lightning product um, in the beginning of 2024. And so in essence, what you're going to be doing is you'll be crowdfunding over lightning. And so our, our view on this is if we can utilize lightning with even a small percentage of the healthcare, you know, mark cap, uh, you know, dollars spent on healthcare, which is 4.3 trillion, um, that will lead to hyper Bitcoinization. Mm. Um, and that's really what I'm, I'm focused on is, you know, I want to change food. I want to change money. I want to change healthcare. Those are the three things I'm focused on. So crowd health is, you know, all in on all three of those things. So please, if you're at all interested in taking a look, join crowdhealth.com. Um, CrowdHealth BTC is a new Twitter account that we put up specifically for folks interested in doing this over Lightning. Um, and so it works the same way as CrowdHealth, just the funds are transferred between you. You know, we have an integrated wallet in the CrowdHealth system. It goes between your wallet and their wallet. So you'll have enough you know, money in your, your Bitcoin wallet um, to be able to pay for these healthcare expenses. You can off-ramp them and pay for them in dollars. You can keep them in Bitcoin. It's a great way to transfer assets from dollars to Bitcoin. Um, again, if you want to know more, it's uh, CrowdHealthBTC on Twitter is probably the best place to go. So would love anybody who's interested to use, you know, and use your code, right? Blue. Yep. Blue. 
six six months for ninety nine bucks a month. Um, and again, you do it once. You don't have to worry about healthcare ever again. You don't have to worry about looking at all those crazy insurance plan deductibles and copays and coinsurance and all that kind of crap. Do it once. There's no like renewal dates or anything like that. It's just month to month. Whenever you want to quit, you can quit. Or you want to go on forever. We'd love that too. So um, yeah, uh, joincrowdhealth.com is the website. With CrowdHealth, you can call 911. Josh and I can show up and you can just focus on our beautiful faces. You don't need to work and worry about bills, just the exactly. high, high level care that the two of us deliver. Speaking of our beautiful faces, you guys would be shocked how much we get hit on by old ladies. Like oh, man. 80 plus year old ladies. They come out of the woodwork and they they don't like play games anymore at 80 years old. Like they double down and they're like, what are you doing tomorrow? I love it, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're, they're calling 911 just so you guys can show up to the house, I'm sure. That happens on Some occasion. Of them do, I think. Oh, I, I have a little hurt wrist. <laughs> Come and help me. Come straighten out my back. Some handsome gentlemen <laughs> at our agency. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Andy, great chat. And I'm sure we'll see you in person at a conference coming up here maybe next year. And uh, yeah, no, I love that. Appreciate what you folks are doing. Stay in the trenches. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. That's going to do it for this week, folks. It is honestly startling to learn more about the incentives behind why today's healthcare system has become so convoluted and so expensive. My goodness, does it need fixing. Thanks for listening. If you are picking up what we're putting down here at BCB, do us a solid. Take two minutes out of your day to like, subscribe, or leave us a review on your pod app of choice or on our YouTube channel. And if you want to earn free Bitcoin and get your feet wet with the Lightning Network while listening to us talk nonsense, check out Blue Collar Bitcoin on the Fountain app. I'll leave you with this. At some point this week, make a decision that improves your health. You only live once. You only get one body. Treat it with respect.